Welcome to the Kaleidoscope Podcast, where the lore hounds your guides to a mediocre, I mean, multicolor heist. I'm John. <laughs> and I'm David. And this is our final episode for coverage of the Netflix original series, Kaleidoscope, the white episode, The Heist. Each podcast, we've covered an episode of this unique show that allows you to watch in any order you want. We've avoided spoilers for all the other episodes on each of the podcasts until this, the final episode. Check our show notes for the previous watch order. In this episode, we'll be doing a scene-by-scene breakdown of the episode titled White, which should be the last episode everybody watched, so you don't need our watch order so much anymore, but if you have not seen all the other episodes yet, be warned, spoilers are abound for everything else. Uh, A reminder, if you did want to send us some feedback about this show, you could send it to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com or... Use our fancy, nifty, new voicemail feature on our website, thelorehounds.com slash contact. We probably won't play your emails on air, but we'll certainly hear them and read them. If you want to keep talking Kaleidoscope with us, join us over on the Bald Move Discord. Link is in the show notes and at baldmove.com. We have a well-moderated server and dedicated threads set up for Kaleidoscope. Each episode is siloed so you can join the conversations at any time without worry of spoilers. And a quick reminder about our Patreon. If you like what we're doing and would like to support us directly, you can check us out at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. We cover better shows, too, I promise. <laughs> like um, The Last of Us. It's true. For three bucks a month, you can get ad-free versions of all of our podcasts, and you get early access and more. Of course, you can always get our ad-supported podcast on our Lorehounds feed by searching for us on your podcast application of choice. David, we've been through seven other episodes. This is the eighth. Yep. This was a binge show, and we covered it like a regular show, maybe at double speed. What did you think of this finale? I, I don't know what to think, um, because my feelings are mixed up with the episode or the season overall. I mean, That's I'm fun. glad. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have had the resolution. Obviously, I wanted to know the twists and the turns and the mysteries and, you know, what happened to various characters and what the mysterious object in the safe was, all of that kind of stuff. This was the big pay, you know, this was supposed to be the big payoff. And it was fine. It was a fine resolution to a f- fine show, right? It, it, right. it I, there was more hype to the show. I mean, this is sort of our season wrap as well as our coverage of the white. Um, you know, we, we gave this one a shot. It was fun. It had some good, you know, character beats. There's a great story buried in here. Mm -hmm. Um, if you can get past the cleverness. So, yeah, I mean, it was just, I guess it was just good to get all the um, bits and pieces resolved and to understand, you know, how everything fit together. The final puzzle piece, as it were. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I thought this episode was pretty good. I mean, it was, the heist parts were fun. Like, they were just fun, you know? They were, you know, cool, the bits with, like, the bees and whatnot. And, um, like, it was an interesting visual thing. It wasn't that, cool i didn't think it wasn't it wasn't as creative as i would expect something where they play up like this is the most creative heist ever like the bees were creative, right right and right. The, the charges i guess were creative with the sewer mm-hmm. i think that was it everything else was like all right pretty well, mundane we, we did a secret special fingerprint thing and a secret special fa- face thing and i just feel like that's been played out in a lot of other mediums do you have an do you have an opinion about the on the twist where the bonds ended up um, I kind of like it and I kind of don't, right? Yeah. yeah. Because 
I would have I would have liked it better if Hannah got them, but I, I think it was supposed to be bittersweet. Um, I think it would have been better if they went one way or the other. So if they either had Hannah get them and Leo die because of it, or they had Hannah not get them, give them back to the triplets, but Leo mm-hmm. not die. Right. But I okay. feel like having it be the worst of both worlds was just like, well, that was a bleak show. Let's just go home. Right. I mean, that's, that, that is one of the downfalls, I think, of this show was that there were no redemptive character arcs here. Right. Everybody paid a price. Uh, and Except maybe nobody. Judy. She paid a price, though, right? She lost Stan. and I mean, you know, she gave up on Stan and she lost Bob. Well, she could have had Stan and his langua. <laughs> uh she could have but like i think she was just done with the whole thing so yeah i thought yeah there was no there was no one that i was rooting for throughout the the whole season there was no one i was like gosh i, I hope they make it out or i i hope they you know i hope something cool happens it was it was all rather rather de- depressing and kind of rough I think the show suffered too. I guess we're doing a season wrap talk now because that's basically what this has turned into. But I think the show suffered too that because it needed to hide Hannah's intentions the whole time, mm-hmm. we got way too little of Hannah and she was the best character in the show. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of feels whenever Hannah and Leo, a- Ray, aka Leo, were on screen together. I yeah. thought they were interesting and and i enjoyed their chemistry as as actors yeah and yeah we we only got like i think two scenes with them um yeah uh, or maybe, maybe three. three yeah 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 they were the best relationship of the show for sure i i think leo and ava were pretty good too i mean john carlo esposito was like the best actor in the show so what are you gonna do like sure he's yeah. in a scene with somebody and it's probably gonna be pretty good at least and it's the most acting he's done in, in quite a while i mean gus absolutely Fring, and uh, Moff Gideon, you know, they're very st- uh, stoic isn't the right word, but staid, mono sort of tonality characters, yeah. which takes a lot, right? I mean, I'm not knocking that. It's not like they're not acting because they're putting a lot into that. But they're not, sh- you know, he's not showing a lot of range with, with Gus Fring. Right. Or here, he showed a lot of range. He showed anger. He showed fear. He showed love and compassion caring so like this is the most that we've seen him done in a long time i agree and i hope that lets him break out of that typecast because even mm. as stan edgar and the boys he's the same character he's always this like yeah yeah i forgot about stan too yeah very Completely. serious powerful man don't and, f with me <laughs> yeah he does it well but it's just like you know it was nice to see him do something different like you said yeah and interacting like being a father and interacting with his daughter and that stuff and you know being a husband and you know, and fearing for his life at times, right? You know, being trapped in, in a couple of occasions. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it was kind of, I mean, I think that was one of the things when I pitched you on the show was like, well, come on. It's, it's Giancarlo Esposito. Like, it's got to be good, right? He's not going to sign on to something that's not good. And lo and behold, it wasn't great, right? You know, so it was a, it was a bit of a letdown in, in that regard. Well, I mean, it sounds cool on paper, right? Like, yes. the whole idea sounds really cool on paper. And then you break it down and you watch it and you're like, hmm, some things are better in your head. Yeah. It just didn't, it didn't pay off as much as it should have, I think. No. They put a lot of um, money into the production value. They did. And I think they skimped a little bit with some of the secondary actors. I don't know. I I felt like there was some not great acting. Uh, I I don't want to be overly critical because it's never, you know, it's a tough job. And I know people gave their best, but I don't know if it was the the script or or what. But I just felt there was some 
it was a little bit rough on the edges. And then I think the whole thing just sagged under the weight of the gimmick of watch Absolutely. it in any order thing. There's a good story in there. And you could have still broken the story up into these constituent color labeled parts and then shook them around and then just sort of come up with a, an order and then not tell anybody, you know, just, just play it out, right? And, and not say you can watch it in any order, just, you know, jumble up. Because I think there were some fun things to hook me yeah. as, a, oh, like, give me something new. Give me a nice twist on the heist um, genre. Oh, okay, well, we're going to tell it out of time. And you're going to know stuff that doesn't make sense until two or three episodes down the road, and then you get a reveal. Okay, that's cool. Like, I like all of that concept. But the, this idea that, oh, you know, choose your own adventure kind of thing, it, it doesn't, I, I, I don't know that you can do that with television. I don't know if it works. I mean, I'm glad they tried the experiment, but I just don't know that it, I, I don't know what the result is that we got. The, my, the, I guess one result is, eh, right? <laughs> A mediocre heist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that two things got really in the way of the show. One, as you point out, is the gimmick. I think that like, yeah. If you did this, and I've said this example like a million times, but if you just showed up for the finale, Slaughterhouse-Five by, by Kurt Vonnegut is a great example of an out-of-time story that keeps jumping around, but it does it for thematic reasons and for a plot reason, but it, it makes you feel things by the way it goes from this time to this time. Right. And there's right. a reason it does it. Yeah. There was no reason in this. Like, this story didn't need it, and it only got in the way. Yeah. And so the other thing that got in the way of it is the binge model. Like, we keep talking about how the yes. binge model kills conversation. And if you're going to have a show where most of it is hiding information from people and making them speculate on what's going to happen in the, the other episodes, you cannot do this as a binge show. It ruins the community conversation. It ru ruins the ability to talk to other people about it, I guess, is one, one big thing. If I'm generous, we had a week of conversation that was active on the Bald Move Discord. Right. Maybe two days of, like, really active conversation. Mm -hmm. And then everybody just lost it. Especially because they dropped it on New Year's Day, so most people had off. Right. And, yeah, um, yeah so, like, everybody finished it in, like, a day or two. <laughs> right. And so people were like, oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't watch that one yet. Oh, that's cool, yeah. And then just done the next day. And, mm -hmm. and so, mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about the men's model on, I think we talked about it on the last second breakfast. Mm. Uh, which is our Patreon exclusive if you're just tuning in. But it, um, it, it doesn't work for this kind of speculative work of art. You know, like this, this kind of mystery box. We talk about mystery boxes. You need a week-to-week -week right. model. Yeah. And also, this is the weirdest mystery box because it's almost like you give eight people a Christmas present and you make them all cut into the box at different angles. Interesting. Yeah. And in the end, they all cut into the present. Right. <laughs> And then, yeah, what do you get? Right. Yeah, it's, it's um, well, and there's changes afoot at Netflix. Uh, so we'll, we'll see recent news, which I think we'll touch about in our, our next Second Breakfast uh, podcast. Um, Can you tell me? Because I don't know. Oh, Reed Hastings, the, the CEO, chairman, whatever, the, the, the main guy at, at Netflix is stepping aside. Oh. Um, and I don't have all the changes. I've got a couple of articles that I'm going to read. And um, I think they... They had some good numbers, but they didn't. But the numbers weren't as good as they had hoped for. So it's not like they're not tanking, but like. And then they've got leadership changes afoot. So we'll see what that brings. 
But yeah, I, I really do think, I think there's some things that you can do fine binge model. That's fine. I, I get it. And, and I remember when binge came out, like, wow, it was great because it was something new. But it, it, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, right? It's like, they're like, gosh, why, is our, why aren't we doing great? It's like, well, because you're doing something that's not working in the marketplace. At least give us some shows from time to time. Like, and, you know, poor 1899, you know, it canceled after one season. But like, for that kind of mystery box show, give us an episode a week, but then, you know, drop all of um, Great British Baking Show as a binge. Fine, right? Right. Do a mixed model or something. Just do something different because binge all the time. We're not there anymore. Or we, we've matured. We've changed. We've moved on from that. Um, so, you know, figure it out. Um, you guys get paid a lot of money. <laughs> we pay yeah. you a lot of money, you know, yeah. figure not it out. Not me anymore. I canceled my Netflix after this. Not because of this, really. It was just like, right. I was like, man, this is like getting to like 20 bucks a month now. And yeah. I don't really watch anything on it anymore. Like I watched this because we're covering it, but man, I, I just haven't enjoyed something on Netflix in a while. I watch Stranger Things and I watch Cobra Kai because that's my little cult classic thing. Um, but that's it basically on Netflix. I can tell you where the, the binge model does work for like cooking shows. Our, our daughter's really into a lot of these uh, cooking competition shows right yeah. now. We're into the, what do they call them? Baketeers or something like that. This engineering baking one. Like it's, it's really quite an okay. interesting hybrid. And we as a family enjoy Great British Bake Off and Junior Bake Off is just starting again. And that's lovely. And then our daughter, like she's watching, she loves nature documentaries. She's really into documentaries about cats right now. Cause obviously we know we got a cat recently uh-huh. and that for that stuff, the binge stuff is great because sure. we, she can Watch just roll at your in own pace. What, exactly. But if you're going to do a prestige thing, you know, be it a pulpy sci-fi thing or a, a, a drama thing, but that's where you're trying to generate water cooler talk where you're trying to wow people. Yeah. You know, Maybe drop two or three, like that's a model that sort of works, and then right. go week to week or something. Like there's a, a million different ways you can do it. You don't have to be locked into this model. I don't know. We spent way too much time analyzing uh, Netflix. It's true. I think we should it's move true. on from this. So, Well, all that to say, this show is okay. If you've been with us the whole time, I am impressed. Thank you. Yes, yes thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Everyone who listens to this podcast, we appreciate you. Yes. And if you're not l- watching The Last of Us and you need a palate cleanser, Boy, oh boy, are you in for a treat, because we are yes. having a blast over there. David's the f- first-time watcher. I played the game, so I have all the spoilers, and I say mildly interesting too much, and we just have a blast. So come join us on our feed. It's on this public feed or on the Patreon feed if you're listening on there, and uh, hope you have fun with it, and let's get into this episode. So we open with a cold open. There is a montage of the crew setting up for the heist. Roger watches the video feeds of the vault as Bossy and Toby surveil 505 as the storm rolls in. Leo takes a mysterious pouch out of his safe at the workshop. Yeah, this is all, um, you know, uh, uh, playsetter stuff, right? You know, putting the characters into position and, you know, I don't, n- nothing extraordinary here to, to say about anything. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, I, it, blink it and you'll miss it. When Leo takes the pouch out of the safe. I did miss it. You outlined this part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a very definite scene. They don't highlight it well, but he's looking in the safe that's behind the Murphy bed in the workshop. 
and he's checking the wallets and the passports and or you know the money and the passports and stuff like that, sort of their holdout cash kind of things. And he pauses for a second and he reaches in and he grabs this little white pouch. He pauses for a second and then closes the safe and, and moves on. And that is the little F you to Roger for yeah. the final scene. And uh, which is a callback all the way to, I forget what, I don't know if it was, I don't remember the color. It was, it was the one about um, uh, Ray's backstory and, and right. what happened with his I think wife, it was blue. So. Maybe. All right. Anyway, I have a question here. Did we ever figure out how Ray kept this for 24 years? I don't think so. I don't think so. Mm. Um, That's dissatisfying to me. Mm, mm. Oh, well. Yeah, he grabbed it, and well, I, I guess the spoilers, right, you know, because this is the spoiler episode. This is a diamond, or this is a the. Um, this is the heist of that country club. Yes, exactly. Where they did the, they stole the jewelry, and he kept a piece of the jewelry, uh, and that's you know, and this is the first time we've seen him, at least that I remember in the episode of any of the episodes of him having this, and um, this is at the end of the uh, previous episode. He ha- he puts something in the safe, which then the agents, when they demand it open, it's hanging in there. So, yeah, that's a lot of explaininess. All right, fine. Uh, let's move into the beginning of the heist. So I'm going to read off a bunch of stuff because it's the heist, and then we're going to talk about it as a whole. Okay. The crew arrives at the location and drops off Judy, and we see a flash of the bracelet. Judy heads down to the sewer as the truck passes the first security checkpoint of the garage. The crew fool the other SLS guards, knocking several of them out and stealing their secure passes. Ava triggers a remote that releases a knockout gas in the SLS lobby. You gotta stop saying that. I know. (laughs) Ava triggers a remote that releases a knockout gas in the SLS lobby, taking out those guards. Ava, Leo, Bob, and Stan converge in the L... (laughs) SLS offices. Judy sets up in the sewers. The crew in the office prepare to defeat the gate detector using bees, and RJ converts the truck from an SLS armored car into a Con Ed service vehicle. The swarm of bees confuses the gate detector, and Leo is able to disarm it from the far side. He uses the face mask they made from an eye scan and uses the personal token copied from Roger to defeat all the protections except the temperature sensors. Down in the sewers, Judy is taking her time with the explosives, which is making the rest of the crew antsy. Ava prepares to blow the charges to release the water. RJ heads down to provide some backup. Judy spills a lot of the explosive material and looks worried. Ava detonates the charges, and RJ and Judy escape. Woo! That was it. That's the uh, that's the beginning of the heist. That's how they get into the vault. So, what did you think about this whole sequence, David? There were some cool little bits and pieces to it. Otherwise, um, it was kind of mundane. I like how they took out one guard by electrocuting the door handles on the other side. Um, I thought the knockout gas from the orchids in the lobby was a little bit James Bondy. The swarm of bees, I thought, was cool because we were all like bees. Like, why is Stan watching these bee videos? It's like the Wicker Man. Like, Not the bees. Don't know that one. Really? Know that reference? Yeah. Man, man, I'm keeping that one in. All right. <laughs> you got. We got to keep start keeping a list of of things. 
yeah. to, uh, to, to force each other to watch. Maybe if we ever do our own Groundhog Day, it'll just be you showing me old man movies and me showing you obscure <laughs> Nick Cage stupid there movies. Go. I like it. I like it. Yeah, the, the Swarm of Bees was, uh, you know, that was cool. Uh, but everything else was, was pretty straightforward. Yeah, Judy in the sewer, you know, like, you know, they're telling her, like, hey, the thing's about to, like, you know, trigger, you know, and you're taking your sweet time here. Like, I don't know. It was all just, you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, thunder and fury signifying nothing. A lot of it was very cute, you know? It was yeah. Like, all right, we're doing this. You know what it reminded me of? This movie that I saw when I was a kid, which you might not know, but Agent Cody Banks. It was Frankie Muniz. As is that one of those kids spy. spy things? Yeah. Yeah, God. No, it had totally that vibe. <laughs> and that's not a compliment. <laughs> that's not a compliment at all. Yeah. They put a lot of money and time into the, as I mentioned before, it feels like they put a lot of money and time into the vault and making the vault look cool and conceptualizing some uh, interesting things that they needed to defeat, right? To set up challenges yeah. for the, the crew. But then they just kind of like hand waved it and, and, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, bees, no problem. It's like, uh, okay. You know, so they, they created this huge dragon, this huge monster, right, of the vault. Like, we got to get into this vault. And then they just sort of breeze through it, ultimately. Yeah. It really did not feel like a good climax, honestly. I think you're right. That's, that's the issue is that they breeze through it too easily. Yeah. There weren't enough hiccups. Right. And and it didn't feel earned, right? Right. Um, and even with the timeline of the episode, I mean, of the series, where they had, you know, several weeks, they got everything, like, really quick. They got a practice safes and uh, trucks and all this stuff, like, lickety-split. Yeah. And, I mean, in reality, that would take a long time and a lot of planning and a lot of practice. And it, um, yeah, it didn't feel earned. Where some other stuff felt earned, which was all character drama stuff, but the safe, yeah, it was um, it was a little bit too easy. Yeah, and the whole thing with prepping in like the five days before the heist, I think it was that that one. Mm. Uh, what was that? Red or was that? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I can't even remember. But anymore. It's, I feel yeah, bad, right? <laughs> that's another thing. I wish that these corresponded with something better. Like I know mm, that they yeah. did the colors, but like. I theorized in an early episode, like, maybe these are to signify, like, emotions. I don't think right. so at all. I think they're just random. Right. And that's kind of disappointing to me. They And then they threw in some stuff to, like, oh, this is the green episode because, like, there was green in the prison. But then, like, there's another episode where there's green and red. Like, they didn't... Right. It wasn't an exclusivity to it. I mean, it, it felt like the design followed the episode name rather than the opposite. Right, right, right. Yeah, just kind of disappointing. Not not a no. lot of payoff there. But yeah, my main point with that is just that like five days before the heist, it seemed like they were starting a lot of these things. Yeah. And it just doesn't make sense that they were doing this. And it, it did mess with my suspension of disbelief for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were shoehorning the heist into the superstorm, the hurricane that hit the hit the city, which then didn't really... It it played a part, but like it almost felt like that should have been another character in the story. The storm. It felt like a rainy Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. Um, where it was a really significant ev- uh, event for the city, and if you wanted to tell the story of the real story of these bonds that were stolen, then like 
focus on that, focus on the storm, focus on like the city shutting down and, and all of that kind of stuff. I, you know, there's something cool there. Yeah. And I think it was a missed opportunity and more about like they sort of crowbarred the story in to fit with this idea as opposed to creating a natural drama from um, these existing circumstances. I mean, basically, everybody gets to travel. I mean, Stan takes an Uber, for God's sake. <laughs> yes. Are we really pretending that this hurricane was so bad? Roger gets across the city with no problem. So does it was Nizan a lift, by and the way, Toby. Because the surge pricing on the Uber was ridiculous. That <laughs> Okay, whatever, fine. But like, come on, man. Come on. It, it, they should have had at least one person have an issue traveling. Or something, right? Yeah, there should have been more, way more about the storm. Right. All right, let's move on. Water pours into the vault. Bob and Stan begin to crack the first safe. Hannah gaslights Roger about the temperature sensors going off. Roger's son beckons him back to the family wearing a conspicuous shirt. You know, uh, just distraction. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what the, the fam- at the You're in the last episode of the series, and you're introducing a family conflict to us that doesn't do anything except keep Roger from watching the video feeds. Well, the other part of it was they were telling us that it was Roger's son who shot Leo. What, was it? Yeah, the shirt is the same shirt that the shooter was wearing. Oh, I totally missed that. That's why I said it was a conspicuous shirt. Oh, my headcanon was that it was RJ. Really? No, RJ died. Was he dead dead? I thought he, he lived and then, like, you know, like they all no. lived, you know. Oh, that doesn't make any sense then. No, it doesn't. All right, this show just dropped half a point in my, uh, in my <laughs> rankings. Yeah, it doesn't That make makes sense. no sense because if it's now a revenge plot of Roger's family getting a revenge on Leo, you didn't do anything for me to understand that. Right. Oh, I don't even man. know the name of Roger's The son. Roger's kid. Exactly. And how does he know to go for... Uh, uh, right. All right. A lot of issues. A lot of issues. We got to move on because (laughs) (laughs) we just got to keep going. Well, why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, we will be less enraged. And we're back and nice and calm now. So Bob and Stan get the first safe open and find the bonds. They move on to the next safe while the crew transports the bonds with an elevator. Ava ghosts Nizan. Judy survived and begins helping with the bond transport. Carlos is on his way to work. Just driving to work in the rain. Yeah, no exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. That just didn't make sense. Again, where the storm stuff doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, people just moving around. Yeah, this is just more heist stuff. I mean, you have you have Nizan getting nervous. Okay, tension's ramping up a little bit. Right. So Ava sends Nizan a fake location. Nizan and her partner head to the building and break in. After arriving at Ava's decoy office, they realize they've been set up. They follow the wires and find Ava's control room with decoy surveillance footage of SLS. They unplug the equipment, which alerts Roger in the middle of lecturing his son. Hannah unsuccessfully tries to gaslight him again. Interesting that in the one scene where Nizan um, subdues a suspect, she also follows some wires that lead into uh, a secure room, like a hidden room. 
And I, I never understood the logic of this. Why send trained federal agents to a location where there's actual evidence of your criminality <laughs> and key infrastructure that's keeping the ruse going? It just... Uh, I'm not calm after our break. <laughs> <laughs> if I could defend this one decision... Okay. I think that the best lies have a bit of truth in them, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, 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 that I've, I've learned from experience this. Sure. And maybe, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Ava's like, well, it's believable if we're, if they're in the financial district. And if I get her up to that floor of the building, that's 60 floors away. There's no way she's going to find me. She didn't uh -huh. think Nizan was resourceful enough to follow the wires, maybe. Right, yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, no, that's, the, yeah, you're explaining exactly what the, the, the thought process there. Yeah. But, like, you're, you're, you're now giving, I, I'm spending, we're spending way too much time on analyzing this, so I think we can move on. Thank God this is not a multi-season show, because we oh, would be oof. in the bald move Walking Dead territory. Right, exactly. Exactly. All right. Roger and Nizan both rush to SLS. Hannah gives Leo a heads up, but Leo ignores this and asks Bob and Stan to break one last safe. All right, so this is interesting, I think, because we didn't know that Leo was going to force them to go into Roger's safe. And, you know, we know that is that by the end. But what did you think of Leo sort of not being able to let go of this and, and his excuse of like, could never have too many yachts. Yeah, this is um, when, uh, what episode was the, was it red or pink? Um, where Judy um, calls out Leo what the heist was ever really about. I think that's red, because pink, they're, they don't even talk. Right, right, so it was red. Um, and uh, it, yeah, the the whole motivation the the motivation has always been, and and you pointed this out in the red episode, I think, is that the this team falls apart so quickly because the only thing that was keeping them together was seven billion dollars, right? Um, but to to steal seven billion dollars, you actually need a team that's going to hold itself together under pressure, and the moment pressure um, starts to affect the team, they break apart, and. Um, this has just always been about Leo, Ray, Strogleo getting revenge on Roger, pure and simple. It's not about the heist. It's not about $7 billion. It's about screwing over Roger. Yeah. Very disappointing for the rest of the crew. I mean, Leo basically used all these people. Basically. Basically. And, you know, the, so, so tonality-wise, this is where there's another strange thing about the show because it was like, hey, this is going to be a fun, cool heist, and it's got a little bit of a re revenge twist to it, but it's like, it's upbeat, it's punchy, it's fun, we've got interesting characters, but really, at the end of the day, it's like horrible and dark, and people pay these horrible prices, and yeah. it's really about like this like tragic occurrence that leads to this like, you know, decades-long hateful revenge plot. Uh, it, it, um, it, it's two different textures here uh, that don't necessarily go together. I think that the story they wanted to tell if I'm being generous again, mm. is the story of a self-destructive man who can't own up to the fact that he is his own worst enemy yeah, and leaves a path of destruction to do what he wants. 
I, now, that's a show that I would have watched if you had set it up that way and then made it tonally that, right? To make it this sort right. of dark thing. But instead, it was just like, hey, watch, you know, Giancarlo, cool, do this cool heist with this cool high-tech stuff. And it was like, okay, there's, yeah, again, the, the, the variance between the, these two impulses is uh, too great. Right. They, they're, they're not flavors that taste great together. Yeah. Okay, Hannah was already at SLS, it turns out. And she rigged the elevator to deliver the bonds to her and yeah. him in the mailroom. <laughs> they swap out most of the bonds with colored paper. The elevator to RJ is late, and he and Judy are suspicious, but they brush it off after it arrives. This was fun. This was more fun than the rest of the episode, I thought. We finally solved the mystery of, uh, of uh, Sister Kim. Yeah. I, liked, I did like this. I liked that this tied up this way. Okay. I, I liked that she was like, remember why you're really here? And we speculated on that before. Right. Um, I liked that, you know, there were the FedEx boxes going in and out. I yeah, liked they, that. they set that up a lot. Yep. Yeah, I liked that Kim was just like randomly there and she made a comment like, oh, that's the way to make money is, is uh, the Diamond White heist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, yeah, I think, that, I think that there was a lot of good stuff here. I think this was a nice moment if I'm going to be nice to the show. Okay. Well, you're, you're, a, you're a better man than I. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? Uh, I, you know, okay, cool, the twist, but like, man, swapping out that many boxes, restacking that whole thing, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Um, and fine, I get it. And I liked that, there, you know, I, I was waiting for a twist. Um, and I get it. And it just didn't seem realistic to me. Didn't seem believable. So, well, Nizan arrives at SLS and the heist team goes to leave. Leo joins Stan to crack the last number on the safe. They get it open and find another door. Ooh, that's yeah. not fun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Bob betrays the group and, com- and tries to leave with Judy and the Bonds. RJ shoots Bob in the ass and Judy shoots RJ dead. They dispose of his body in the dumpster, and Stan arrives to be shot at and chased by Bob. Uh, yeah, there we go. I, I completely thought that RJ wasn't dead, and um, yeah. And then they never, because I don't think they ever tell us, like, I mean, okay, you're going to do a forensic sweep of this building, you're going to check every nook and cranny after this heist and, and all these, you know, people getting shot and stuff like that, and then you don't find RJ's body? And then the team doesn't know that they found RJ's body? I don't know. It doesn't add up for me. Maybe they just didn't check the dumpster. I don't know. But I know, I know, I know. It's silly. but Strains credibility. I know. All right, moving on. (laughs) At least Bob got shot in the ass. Yeah. I did did enjoy... Okay, here's some things I did enjoy. was Judy's emotional reaction to shooting RJ. I thought that was good. Her reaction Uh to seeing Stan. I thought that was good. I thought that Judy was one of the better actors in this show. Agreed. Agreed. I thought Bob was also a very good actor, even though he was completely unlikable. Yes, agreed. And he maintained his unlikability consistently throughout his season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I stand by my statement. He's the Australian devil. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like the emotional moments here. I thought that they were good. I liked RJ being like, you need to be nicer. Like, he's just such a kid. He thinks everything's just going to work out in the end. Mm, yeah. All right. Leo tells Stan and Ava to go on without him, then returns to the vault to break the last safe. Leo says he has to make sure Abbasi has something to find. We know what he puts in there, so I'm just going to move on. Yep. 
Ava hotwires the bond truck. Nazant holds her at gunpoint, but Ava escapes with a shoulder wound. Ray breaks into Roger's office and gets a key. Hmm. So I did enjoy Nazan screaming up into the sky. Okay. That was fun. <laughs> right. She tries to get Ava and she gets away. She's like, ah! Right. And these are the two uh, foes that have been battling it out for years and years. So yeah, she's probably pretty pissed that, you know, yeah. this was her moment. And Ava's like, how do you like them apples? Mm-hmm. Yeah. While hunting for Stan, Bob is ambushed by Judy, who strangles him unconscious and leaves him for dead. Bob wakes up with a broken windpipe. He gives himself a makeshift respirator. Yeah, that was pretty rough. <laughs> it was rough, but it was, I mean, that was one of the more unique things that happened, I guess. Yeah. And I i can see Bob, you know, like, he's not a, he's not a person to uh, give up easily. And so he's if something requires- I don't know what song that is. But you don't you know that song? singing it. No. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Old man. Whatever. You know what? Maybe a listener will enjoy it. Um, I did enjoy Bob doing that, though. I thought that that was very in character, like you said. So Leo gets into a fight with Carlos. Hannah knocks out Carlos with a fire extinguisher. Hannah reveals to Leo that she has changed the plans and took all the bonds to give back to the triplets and save Leo from himself. We see flashbacks to different episodes in the season. So this was definitely the heart of this episode, right? Maybe even the heart of the show. Yeah, yeah. What were, where were your feelings on this? I think by this point, I figured out that Hannah and Sister Kim were, you know, somehow involved. I think that the extra, extra twist was the fact, you know, she set up the bonds to be given back to the triplets, which I think, again, goes to her smarts, right? Hannah's smart. She's yeah. no fool. And to steal $7 billion, there's just no, from, from you know, ostensibly these, these bad, evil people, there's no place you're going to hide. They're yeah. going to catch up to you eventually. They are going to be pissed, and they're going to want revenge, uh, let alone, you know, wanting their, their bonds back. Um, so I thought that that was smart and an interesting twist, and eh, eh, eh. But again, it doesn't pay off because Rick gets killed anyway. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just silly. There were some gems in the scene. Uh-huh. Um, we did get finally some payoff to show me where you're brave, show me where you're strong. Yeah. That was certainly the most prevailing motif of this season. Uh-huh. You had, you know, Ray teaching that to his daughter when, when she was young. You had, uh, you know, him saying it when... Uh, his wife died. You had him saying it. Uh, you know, his his granddaughter looks brave and strong. So, and then she says it to him here. And I think that that was a nice little emotional moment. These actors were good together. That's probably the only reason it worked. But they did tug at my heartstrings a little bit here. Yeah. One line was interesting. The rich get richer and we get to live. <sighs> I get what they're doing here. It's just, it was not a feel-good moment. <laughs> No, and it, it just goes to the whole show not having feel-good moments. Right. I'm not Roger's VP, and I'm not your inside man. So, I thought I liked this line at first, and then I thought about it, and I was like, but I don't know who Hannah is then. Yeah. Like, you didn't show me who Hannah is, and that's, she goes, I'm the daughter of Ray and Lily, whatever the last name was, and I, I was just like, 
man, I don't know what that means though. We're all somebody's kid. <laughs> just, yeah. It just didn't say anything. It was it was a lot of time to say nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was what bothered me here. And it muddies the 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 message in, in some ways. Yeah. I don't know. It was fine. So one other question I have is, what was the plan if she says, I've changed the plan? Um, the plan between them? I mean, I think yeah. the plan was she was just the inside for Intel. He'd get the money and then like come back around later. Uh, and she'd just carry on uh, a- a- as she was doing, I guess. No, I think she was supposed to do some of the colored paper. Was she? Was she? I don't know. I mean, she, she, he said, how much did you take? So it seemed like he knew about that happening. I think uh, what see, his deal was, because they didn't even know about Hannah. Everybody else didn't even know about Hannah. Right, right, right. So I think that he had ha- had a deal going with her, like, hey, you take a bunch, and then I'll make sure everybody's taken care of so nobody gets too pissed. So, uh... So that she's got some to pre- for herself, so she right. can set herself up. Right. See here, here again, the the plot, um, while being simplistic on some levels, I think is starting to get too clever here with twists. And that that if you're having to explain that to me now at this stage, right? I, I they it I yeah, it, it's a failing. It's a failing in the writing there. Yeah, it could have been fixed with one line earlier where Leo exactly. goes to her. So you're all set to take your cut. Done. Done. You're and right. then I know what yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. One last scene here. Hannah leaves and Leo goes for a swim. Leo opens the safe and puts a piece of jewelry in there from his last heist with Roger. Leo stares at the necklace and it is unclear if he survives unless you've already watched the rest of the season, which you should have. Right. Right. And then we know that he gets shot in the, in the back. Yeah. Well, David, we've come to the end of this interesting journey if i can call it that yeah how are you feeling uh fine (laughs) i've just been fine about the whole thing i from a podcaster standpoint it's been tricky i think this is one of our, our our first we've had some you know pretty easy pitches you know things coming right over the plate this is the first one that was sort of a little squirrely so it was tough to hit um Interesting to podcast about a binge show. Interesting to podcast about a choose-your-own-adventure-style television show. Neither of which I will do again, but go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I really wish there was a way to do binge shows in a way, but yeah, it just doesn't work. It, yeah. It, 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 it just ruins it for us. And again, I, and I'm just be repeating myself here. There's a story here. There were some interesting characters here. I lo- Like the plot that you outlined before about like this, you know, guy who's just so twisted up about his uh, feelings and emotions and he goes on this, you know, multi-year sort of revenge plot. That sounded interesting. So that but that's a different show than this. I thought this was going to be an ocean style 11 heist or, you know, uh, name your heist, right? Um, and it was going to be about the heist. Instead, I don't know what we got. We got a mixture of a bunch of stuff. So, you know, Live and live and learn and, uh, you know, call it a day. Well, I think that's a good note to leave it on. So why don't we do our housekeeping and then we'll head out of here. Sounds good. First off, we've got to thank our lore master patrons. This is our highest tier, 10 bucks a month. We can't believe anybody does it, but apparently a bunch of people are doing it now. Uh, so we have Samarchin, Mark H., Michael G., Cyrus, and our newest one, David 
W. Thank you so much to all of you and to all our patrons. It really helps us get shows like this done and then shows we actually like done. It's a, it's a lovely time. Uh, and thank you for sticking with us for this season, <laughs> if you have. Exactly. Because uh, exactly. this was an interesting season to podcast about, and we weren't sure if anybody was going to dig it. It seems like there were at least some people listening. So I hope everyone yeah. enjoyed who stuck with us. And I, I really hate to be like, I don't want to be a podcast negative, you know, sure. negative minded podcaster, right? So we were trying to find the good, you know, all the way and then eh, whatever. But yeah, again, thank you to our patrons and thank you for everyone who's followed us along on this journey. Definitely. Yeah, it is. It was difficult to stay positive, but we, I think we kept a little light in there. We showed them where we're brave and where we're strong. <laughs> oh, John. <laughs> Are our hearts as big as our feet? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Programming notes quick. Uh, the Last of Us is coming out every Wednesday. It's a super good show. Watch it if you're not. Subscribe to HBO just for that. It's worth it. Uh, join us there if you want. Every single Wednesday, you can send feedback into TLOU at thelorehounds.com. Or again, go to our website, thelorehounds.com slash contact, and you can leave us a voicemail. It's a lot of fun. Um, we have second breakfast every month, but that's not coming out until next month. We just did one. And then we have Silmarillion stories coming out on Monday, the 30th. Other than that, we have a Star Wars episode coming out early next month with The Bad Batch Season 2 check-in and some other news about our star wars coverage and that's all we have coming right now but thank you everyone for staying with us again we're doing other stuff that we actually like and we're much nicer about the last of us because it's really good <laughs> and we've got a lot else we've got a lot in the pipeline for 2023 it's gonna be Absolutely. a busy year so stay yeah. tuned stay subscribed to our feed i promise we're covering more stuff and we will see you soon the Lorehounds podcast is produced by the Lorehounds and published by Bald Move. You can get ad-free and early versions of these episodes at patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. Connect with us on Twitter at the Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback about this podcast to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening.